Well, we have been going through a series called Myths, Idols, and Dirty Diapers. And this week we're going to tackle one more myth. And as Pastor Jared was wrapping up last week and I was talking to him and I've been praying about some things, God put this on my heart this week. And the thing that God put on my heart was this image. And I think you have it up there, Tom. And this idea that God is not enough. This myth that is prevalent in our churches and in the world that God is not enough. It's funny, I posted it on Facebook and I know I didn't get all the likes because I think people are afraid to like something like that. (laughs) That God is not enough. Like, I can't like that. (laughs) And that's good that you don't want to like that. But that God is not enough. And as we kind of go through things and we look at the picture that God painted for us in the scriptures. And I love this book. I love the Bible. I get super excited when I teach the Bible. And so I talk faster the more excited I get. So if I start to get crazy, please wave at me. Okay? Because it's just what happens. Um, that God painted this beautiful picture of his relationship that he desired to have with us. You know, we look at creation and this picture of God making Adam and Eve and that the Bible tells us that he literally walked with them and spoke with them and had a face-to-face relationship with them. And then sin came in and ripped them apart from God and ripped us apart from God. And as we look at the Bible, again and again we see God trying to get back to that place with us. We look at the stories of Moses and the Israelites that God's purpose for calling them and redeeming them and freeing them from the Egyptians. And if you're not familiar with these stories, we will be covering them on Wednesday nights in the fall, so please come, okay? Um, That God desired for them to come and for him to literally speak to all of them. the, 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 The tradition of what we understand is that there were three million men plus women and children in this community that God redeemed when he freed them from Egypt. And he wanted to talk to all of them. And again and again, we see what happened was people rejecting God. They said, no, we're too afraid. Moses, you go talk for us. And so Moses became God's voice to the people. And Moses got to reap the reward of that that presence with God. It says in the Bible that God showed Moses his backside at one point, that he was able to see part of God, that he was able to hear God speak to him, that because he spent so much time with God, his face literally glowed with God's glory and God's presence. So he had to cover it because it freaked everybody out. Okay? And why did it freak people out? Because he glowed in the dark? No, because of the conviction and the power and what happens when you come into the presence of the living God is that everything in you that resists God struggles. And so that struggle happened and so people were afraid of it. And as we look through the scriptures again and again, the same thing happened. So God spoke to his people through the prophets and through judges and through priests. And this is how God led the people of Israel. They didn't have kings and rulers at this point. They had priests and prophets and judges that would receive words literally from God. And that's how they would govern. And there was this beautiful harmony that was happening. It wasn't what God wanted, but it worked. And in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 8, which is where we're going to find ourselves today, this is what was going on. We had the priests and the prophets that were leading the people of Israel. And Samuel was in charge at the time, and his sons were supposed to take over, but they were terrible people. They were liars and cheaters and thieves and adulterers, and they were not living the way that God wanted them to. And the people got frustrated, and they said to Samuel, 
tell God we want a king. Now, up until this point, God was their king. God was their leader. God was their ruler. God was everything. And they told Samuel, they said, we want a king. If we take a look at verse 4 in chapter 8, it says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the king displeased Samuel, and when they said, give us a king to judge us, so Samuel prayed to God, and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. They rejected God. And in our own lives, God's plan and his purpose and his desire as we choose to follow him is for him to be that for us, to be our king, to be our authority, to be our Lord, to be the governance that drives everything in our life. The divine plan was for God to lead us. And too often, we, even as believers, reject that plan in our lives. And when we do so, we tell God, you are not enough to take care of me. You are not enough to lead me. You are not enough. I know better than you do. And we set ourselves up as kings. We, we assert our own authority over our lives. We say that God is not enough, that he's not good enough, that he's not strong enough, that he's not big enough for us. And if you take a look at Mark chapter 8, the picture of what we were called to do as believers in order to follow God And it's a passage many of us know, and I love it. I love this passage. It says in Mark chapter 8, Jesus said, When he called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, will also be ashamed when he comes to the glory of his Father with the holy angels. When we choose and we claim and we say that we follow Christ, if we reject what Christ commanded us to do, if we reject this past part of denying ourselves, if we reject the lordship of God in our life, we are not following God. We are in disobedience. And we are telling ourselves and God and everyone else that God is not enough. In 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10, God chooses a king for the people of Israel. God gives in. Do you know that God does that? That he gives in to us? There's this whole thing that God gave us when he created us, and it's called free will. And he lets us do stupid stuff. Okay? All the time. He lets us do stupid stuff. And this was one of those situations where God's like, okay, fine, you want a king? And so he chooses a king for them. So God picks the king. And he picks the tallest, most handsome guy in the country. Okay? All right. And this person, he was also godly, the Bible tells us. But why do you think God picked the tallest, most handsome guy in the country? Is that because that's God's standard? No. It's because of how we look at things, right? Who should be the king? Biggest guy in the room, right? Thanks, Peter. You can go ahead and sit down. Can you give him a hand? Say thank you for being embarrassed on Sunday. Woohoo! All right, he picks the tallest, most handsome guy in the country. And the guy is godly, and he starts off really well. His name was Saul. And he, anoint, he was anointed. And by anointed, what that means is that the priest took this big thing of oil, this special oil that was made for special occasions, and it smelled really amazing. 
and they dumped it all over his head as a symbol of God's presence. And they said, you're the king. And they proclaimed, you're the king. And God's spirit came on him and he prophesied. And there was this whole transformation that happened. The Bible tells us that he became another man. That's how powerful what happened to this guy happened. And he was chosen as their king. And everyone was excited and it was this big deal and all this kind of stuff. And people were so happy that they had their king. And we ourselves do this. <laughs> Often, after we begin following God, we may fully commit ourselves to following him. But too easily, our desires to fulfill what we think is God's plan, we overstep our place. And that's what began to happen with Saul. Saul was not part of God's plan. God did not want the people of Israel to king, and he does not want us to have our own kings in our lives. And we do this. We set ourselves up as king all the time. We set ourselves up as king, and we build our own kingdoms. I really wanted a playhouse today, because I wanted to stick whoever was tallest in the playhouse to show you how ridiculous this is. Okay? <laughs> because that's what we do. We declare ourselves king of our lives, and we build ourselves little kingdoms. And we look like a six-foot man sitting in a playhouse drinking tea, which is really just dirty water. I heard this minister years ago share this story, and I love the story, about how he came home from preaching and traveling, and his daughter was in the backyard, and she was like, hey, Daddy, come have a tea party with me. And he was hot, and he was tired. He was like, okay, I love my daughter. I haven't seen her in a few days. So he goes in the backyard with her, and he gets in her little plastic playhouse, and he sits down, and he's like this, because, you know, you can't even sit in those things. And she hands him the tea, and it's dirty water from wherever she found it. And it's hot, and they're sweating and uncomfortable, and he's thirsty and hungry, and they're sitting there with dirty water and fake food in the hot little tea house. And they're only 10 yards away from the real house with the air conditioning the real food, and he's, the, the image came to his mind was, this is exactly what we do in our own lives. And when the Israelites chose to set up, chose a king, they chose a a lesser representation of the glory that God had intended for them. And when we make ourselves king in our own lives, we settle for less than what God has for us. And we say that God isn't enough to fulfill even his purposes for us. I can't tell you the stories of people called of God, anointed by God, to do great things that they take back. And they say, this is about me, and they push their own agenda in the failure that happens when we build our own kingdoms. And believers, we start off really good. We're like, yeah, God is awesome. I love Jesus. I'm going to do whatever he says. And then we get these great ideas. And we start doing our own thing. And as a result, we find ourselves outside of God's will. And in 1 Samuel 13, 13, Samuel comes to Saul because while Saul has been king, he's been making lots of bad decisions. He started off really good, like anointed and prophesying and all this stuff. And then he, he got too big for himself. You know, the, power, the, 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 the saying goes, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's what happened with Saul. He was God's chosen king. He's the guy, right? And everybody's telling him, you're the king, you're the guy, you can do what you want, you're the boss, you have all this authority, everything is great, everything is awesome, everything is awesome. Okay. But he started making bad decisions, and I'm really summarizing this book, please go and read it, because it's awesome, exciting, and there's, there's battles in it too for you guys that like, you know, action films, this, there's a lot of action films in this. Okay, anyway, so 1330, it says, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly, you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. 
For now the Lord would have established you king, your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has thought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept the Lord has commanded you. God removes Saul. He's like, you're done. And it gets worse after that. If you continue on the story, like the rejection because of the actions of Saul. He got so big for himself, it says later on that Saul actually was building monuments to himself. They went from a people led by God, worshiping God, embracing the things of God, to rejecting God and serving a king that built monuments to himself. Does it sound like anyone you know? We do this. We say, we know better. We can run things. God is not enough. And we build monuments to ourselves. When we decide to go ahead of God's plan, we declare he isn't enough. God will not bless our sin. And too often we create pseudo-kingdoms in our lives and declare the blessings of God on them. I cannot tell you the times during the week I see people post on Facebook how blessed they are and they're living completely in sin. You know, we, we, we have these goals that we set for ourselves in our life and we have what I call the Wisconsin dream. Okay, you know, we have the American dream, but we have the Wisconsin dream too. And some of you are going to understand in a minute. You know, you finish high school, you go to tech school or college, or you get a good job. And the goal is to get married and make enough money so you can have the house and the boat and the jet ski and the snowmobile. And you can go up north and you can hunt and you can fish. And you can go and take that vacation every now and then. And you can have this perfect, comfortable Wisconsin life. Anybody with me? Yes? Yes. <laughs> Pastor Jared says, that sounds like fun. And we give no acknowledgement to what God could possibly want us to do in our lives. And then we say, you know, God is blessing us because we have all these things. And we haven't considered for a moment that maybe God wants us to sacrifice some of that so that we can better serve him with the resources he's given us. You know, we're going to be talking in the coming months about an opportunity to partner with something called, someone called Convoy of Hope. Pastor Jared, you guys know, went to Haiti recently. $10 can feed a family. A lady that I'm friends with was sharing a story recently about, you know, kid beggars she saw on the street selling balloons so that they could eat. And God has called us as his people to be what? To be his witnesses. To be there for the poor. To be there for those in need. To be available. To be his messengers. And we get so blinded by our own kingdoms that we've set up. We get so blinded by the things we think we need. We get so blinded by the messages that we hear that says, you need this, buy this, have this, be this, look like this, act like this, do this, do this, do this. That we don't hear the voice of God saying, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, lose it. And you can say, Pastor Hillary, it's easy for you. You're a pastor. You went to school for this, blah, blah, blah. And it's not easy for me. I live in the same world you do. And I'm a woman in this world, which means marketing it targets me a little bit more. So, you know, <laughs> I just avoid them all. It's, it's better that way. You really need to pray when you go to places like Target, too. Like, <laughs> literally, I do. I've started doing that. I pray before I go into Target that I don't spend a dollar more than God wants me to because you just get sucked in. It's like, oh, it's only a buck, a buck here and there. And then you can't give. You can't give. Yeah, you bought a dollar item, but that dollar adds up, and then that's a family that doesn't eat this week. Perspective that God wants us to have. That he wants to have lordship. 
that his plan and his purposes are enough for us. And that we live in this selfish world where everything is about me, 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 I, 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 this is what I want. Take a look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We cannot get a grasp of God's will for our life if we are not in this word, if we are not in the scriptures. Can't. Can't. We can pray a prayer and give our lives to Jesus. We can be baptized. And we can go on our merry way and live so contrary to the plans, to the purposes of God, that there's no resemblance to a follower of Christ in our lives. The only way that we can do this is to present ourselves as sacrifices. The sacrifice's job was to lay there and die. That's your job as a sacrifice. Lay there and die. Lay yourself down. I have to do it a lot during the day. (laughs) It's not a one-time thing. It's an hourly challenge when you have small children, okay? (laughs) To lay your pride and yourself and your desires down. And to not be conformed to this world. There are a lot of really fun things in this world. Often I'm reminded of the story of Pinocchio. How many of you guys have seen Pinocchio, the old Disney movie? And when Pinocchio goes to that amusement park and he's having all this fun and everything's great and they're drinking all this stuff and everything's wonderful and suddenly he's growing donkey ears and other people are turning into donkeys. That's basically what the world is like for us. It turns us into donkeys. And that wasn't God's plan for us. That we get so sucked into what we think we need to have and what we think we need to be. And our little pseudo-kingdoms And when we seek to fill the void in our lives with anything but God, we declare that God is not enough. We were created with a void in our lives. Do you guys know that? You're made that way. With a void. Big old hole in your life. And so many of us, we grab, we go through life, and even knowing Jesus, we struggle. We say, if my family was only. This is the if onlys. If only my family cared more. If only... My spouse, fill in the blank. If only I had, I could do this. If only I had more money. If only my, I had this relationship. And we go round and round and round with these if onlys, 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 if onlys. And we make excuses and we sell God short. And all we are doing is throwing trash into a black hole that we will never fill. Interesting thing about black holes, they really don't know what they are. All they know is what goes in doesn't come out, and they're never full. And in ourselves, we have this gaping hole that we're born with, the desires to be filled, that sense of lostness, that sense of unrestlessness, that sense of, I need something to fill this awkwardness, this emptiness inside me, and God is screaming, here I am, I am enough to fill that hole in your life, if you will only... Let me do it. First Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 14, it says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. This passage talks about the journey that the Israelites took. How God led them out of Israel and gave them all these, pro- out of Egypt, sorry, and did all these miracles and did all these wonderful things for them. And all they did was whine and complain and reject God. That's what they did. 
You can read it. They whined and complained and reject God. And they engaged in sexual immorality. And it destroyed many of them. And Paul is telling the Corinthians church and telling us today, now these things happened as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. There are two things the Bible tells us to run away from. Two things. Idolatry and sexual immorality. The Bible tells us to flee from youthful lust. Why? Because we were created with this vacuum in us and a desire to worship something. And we're also created to create more people. And to have intimate relationships with others. It's part of our our makeup. God knew this. That's why he says if you're in a situation, the best plan is to run away. You can write that in your notes. (laughs) Run away. And when it comes to idolatry, we're really bad at that. Because often the thing we worship the most is right here. We worship ourselves. We, like Saul build monuments to ourselves. We say, I can do this, I can make this, I can have this. And we come to church and we're Sunday and we're like, bless God, God is good, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sundays, and during the week, occasionally I might read a scripture verse if it happens to be in my news feed, and maybe sometimes I go to extra prayer. But the reality is I spend my life serving myself. And today God is telling us that when we do this, we say he's not enough. And let me tell you from experience, God is more than enough. I would not be here today if it were not for the grace and the power and the mercy of God. When I think of the life that I led and what God brought me through and the decisions that I made, I don't know that I would be alive, to be honest with you, if it were not for God. And again and again in my Christian walk, when I've struggled and when things have been lean and we didn't know where provision was coming from and we didn't know what was going to happen, when we got on our knees and we turned to God as God asked us to, God has always been enough and he will always be enough. And his plans may be contrary to what we think. I, in my mind, never imagined coming to Watertown and some of you have heard that I didn't want to come to Watertown. Okay? This was not where I wanted to be. But when you pray, God, send us to the people no one else wants to go to, that could bring you to Watertown, okay? God honors our prayers. I was thinking someplace a little more, you know, scary. But he's like, no, Watertown, Wisconsin, that's where you're going. And you find in the midst of that obedience a greater life than you would have had if you lived in the dream that you'd set for yourself. And many of us are so afraid of letting go of this dream we've created for ourselves, this idea of what we think our life should be like. And God is saying today, I am getting ready to do something new. As we were worshiping, God said, I'm doing a new thing. Did you get that? I'm doing a new thing. He said, I'm doing a new thing. And he's drawn a line in the sand for us today as a community and as believers. And he's saying, if you want to be part of what I am doing, if you want to be fully committed to me if you want to know what it's like to have me be enough in your life for you you've got to let yourself go you've got to lay your crowns down i don't think it's any mistake that the scripture tells us you know talks about this picture of heaven and when you get to heaven the idea of throwing the crown that god has given us down because he's lord he's lord he's king 
We are tiny little ants in comparison to the greatness of God. Spend time in his presence and you will see how small you are and how big and how awesome and how wonderful and overcoming and full he is for us. And it's time for us to let God be God in our lives. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, sums up what we are to do. It says, therefore, whatever you do, you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That word glory, we hear it a lot. It means a couple things. One of the definitions means weight. That when they talk about the glory of God, it literally means a physical, heavy presence of God. And if you've ever been in that presence, and I've been in places where that presence is as people just lay on the floor because you can't even get up because God's presence is so strong, you don't even want to move, you just want to lay there and worship and be in awe of God. And that glory also refers to like that like victorious, celebratory glory when someone wins and they're praised. That in our lives we are to be a reflection of the glory of God that because of who he is, we are who we are. Let me say that again. Because of who he is, we are who we are. And if your life does not reflect who God is, it's time to make a change. You say, Pastor Hillary, how do we do that? We do the big R word, we repent. We give ourselves to God. We come to him and we commit to God and we say, God, I have not been living for you. I have been setting up my own pseudo-kingdoms and making myself a demigod in my own life, and it's time for you to really be God. It's time to let go of the things we think we have to have to be happy. We need God to be happy. And yes, the scripture says, you know, you commit yourself to the Lord. He'll give you the desires of our heart. The condition is we commit ourselves to the Lord, and our desires become his desires. I never wanted to get married and have children. Seriously. Seriously. Five years old, Mom, I'm not getting married and I'm not having children. I said that. Even in college when I met Jared, I said, I'm not getting married and not having children. You can ask him. Am I right? Yeah. And even after God began to work on my heart and make it clear that, no, you're getting married and this is who you're supposed to marry. And we don't have some super romantic, gushy story because that's just not my brain. That's not how I work. I said to Jared, just because we're getting married doesn't mean we're ever having kids. And I want you to know, my parents, when he went to talk to my parents about asking to marry me, My mom said to him, understand you may never have children if you marry her. That's how serious this was. I have three kids. Why do I have three kids? Because God spoke to me and said, you're going to have children. And God changed my heart. And literally God gave me dreams of the children I would have to the point where I missed them years before they were born. I knew their names. I knew what they looked like. Because my life got in line with who God wanted me to be. My life that I had planned was selfish even in my desire to serve God and go solo onto the mission field and help change nations and go to the hard places and do all this kind of stuff because God had called me into ministry. I was like, this is, this is what we're going to do. God's plan was bigger and it was better. And it didn't look as exciting as what I had thought. But the reality was that was me doing this. Look what you could do. And too often that's what we do. Even in our desire to be good, we pat ourselves on the back. Look at how good I can be for God if God just picks me, me. I'm the one right here. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And God is saying today, let me be enough. Let me be enough to lead you and guide you and rule you. Let me be enough to help you find that place and to do the things that 
I have called you to do, that your life will truly be blessed. Not blessed by the world standards, but blessed by kingdom standards, by God's standards. And let me fill this void. It's time to let go of what we think we need. It's time to let go of the things that are getting in the way of what God wants to be in our lives. It's time to stop saying that God has blessed us when our lives are contrary to how God wants us to live. It's time to truly reflect the glory of God. Church, God is getting ready to do something new. He's getting ready to do something new in our lives, new in our midst, new in our community. He's taken us on this journey of transformation with him. He's taking our community on a journey of transformation. And how many of us know we need a transformation in Watertown? We need God to do a work in this town. We need a transformation in Watertown, Wisconsin, the nation, the world. We need God to be God in the lives of the world. And he can't do that if we won't even give him our own life. Let's take some time to mull this over in our quiet northern way.